0: You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
1: Chad Brown, the former NFL linebacker, played for the Patriots among other teams and played his college football with Cordell in Colorado. Chad, thanks for taking the time to come back on the show. How are you?
2: I am fantastic, fellas. How are you guys doing?
0: Chad, we are doing well. Glad to have you on. I've listened to you a few times on the radio covering some of the games and I just want to tell you, you do a phenomenal job, and I want you to do that now on our show. Um, <laughs> give me your take on that Minnesota Vikings game against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, to see it be one where Minnesota gets out front 17 nothing. Obviously, we see Case Keenum playing some football, the type of football that you wish your quarterbacks can play in that first half. But the Saints came back strong and it came down to the very last play of the game and it's something that we, we was a, a stickler of in Pittsburgh when we were together is playing for 60 minutes. Did they not play for 60 minutes?
2: I think it was a fantastic 60-minute game. And I think maybe the, the under-told story of that game is the adjustments. Obviously, coming out of half, the New Orleans Saints made some tremendous adjustments, both offensively and defensively. Minnesota didn't adapt to those adjustments and needed a fluky play in the end to win the game. So I wouldn't say that the Saints turned it down and didn't play for 60 minutes. A young safety who made a tremendous play earlier in the game, got an interception in the most critical moment of the game, misplays a ball, misplays the tackle. Uh, I think an artifact of the difficulty of playing safety in today's NFL, not sure how can I hit this guy, I don't want to get a personal foul, I don't want to get past interference, that uncertainty created doubt, that doubt led to a lack of confidence, he kind of whiffed the tackle, and the rest is history, but um, from a football perspective, from a coaching perspective, I walk away from that game thinking about the lack of adjustments, and then the adjustments done by New Orleans to get themselves back into the ball game.
1: Chad, let's move over to the AFC Championship game. We know that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, but do you have any doubts that the Patriots are going to move the football that effectively against this very tough Jaguar defense on Sunday?
2: You know, Jacksonville is in such a great position because, for the most part, everyone's counting them out and they have been counted out for a couple of weeks now but when you're in that locker room of a team that's been counted out there's an incredible looseness that comes from that uh, there's, there's incredible it's weird that there's almost a confidence that comes from that that no matter what we can't do wrong let's just go out there and let it fly so After being one of those people who counted the Jacksonville Jaguars out, uh, as much respect as I have for the Patriots, been a part of that organization, played for Bill Belichick, was a teammate of Tom Brady's, obviously the track record of what those guys have accomplished is long and extensive. Even knowing all of that, uh, I'm in a position saying, you know what, this Jacksonville thing I think is a little bit uh, more complicated than folks want to admit, and they have a better chance than most folks want to admit as well.
0: Being in Pittsburgh, Shaq, you kind of was a a part of that style of play. Uh, Great defense, uh, have a knack for getting a football scoop and score kind of deal, which we've seen this team do a lot of times on defense. And offensively, we have Bam Morris and a little bit of Jerome Bettis, and those guys kind of led the charge on the offensive side of the football. Do you see this recipe in Jacksonville being the most intimidating recipe throughout the rest of this playoffs?
2: I, I, I think so. You know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles certainly play a fantastic brand uh, of defense, but the the overall the overall formula of what Jacksonville wants to do, they want to play great defense. They want to run the ball at you with Fournette, They want to ask uh, of Blake Bortles. Not too much. Be clean with the football. Just be smart with the football. Don't make any mistakes that kill us. Um, that's a tested playoff formula. If you're asking a your quarterback to go out there and, and light it up and be in a shootout, you know, that's, that's not tested. The the, the the history of football lends itself to teams playing great defense, controlling the ball, controlling the, the time of possession, controlling the tempo of the game through their running game, and Jacksonville can do that. And because they're a more ground-based team, then it begins to eliminate some of the variables of, of weather. You know, we often see weather affect playoff games. The more ground-oriented you are, the less of an effect that has on you. So this Jacksonville formula is a traditional football formula, which has proven to be successful.
1: Guy Brown is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Let's go back to Sunday's game in Pittsburgh. Do you think some Steeler players might have been guilty of looking past Jacksonville? Because there was a lot of conversation about a rematch with New England in the AFC Championship game.
2: Well, looking looking past your next week opponent is is just... It, it, it blows my mind that, that Mike Tomlin could have allowed that conversation to happen in the locker room and that there was not a team leader in that locker room who didn't step up and squash that conversation before it got to the point where it did, where guys were publicly admitting to be looking forward to playing New England. You, The NFL is such a close league as far as talent and coaching. Obviously, particularly in the playoffs, you have to give every opponent their full respect and your full attention. When I was a Pittsburgh Steeler and we were seemingly headed into the Super Bowl, we played the San Diego Chargers in the championship game. That Wednesday before the championship game against San Diego Chargers, Eric Green, our tight end, called a team meeting. And he brought guys in, and he had plans for our Super Bowl video that we were going to do. It was going to be some kind of music video we were going to do. And I was pretty young in my career, and I thought, this is wrong. We should not be doing this. None of this feels right to me. We got a game against the Chargers, and we're playing our Super Bowl video. This is just not good football karma. And guess what happens? We lose. We lose to those San Diego Chargers. They go in the Super Bowl, play the San Francisco 49ers, get the break speed off of them. I think we would have given the 49ers a far better game than the San Diego Chargers did. But my point is we didn't give the Chargers our full attention. And for that Pittsburgh Steelers team, which is you know there's a lot of bravado and confidence and cockiness in that locker room, I think it went a step too far when they began pointing to the Patriots and not to Jacksonville.
0: Chad, when you look at the quarterbacks we have left playing uh... – In this championship game, uh, you have one superstar, arguably the best quarterback to ever play the game, and you have three newcomers, uh, guys that I think most may have had doubts about, especially Blake Bortles, especially Case Keenum. And and, and Nick Foles, the way he played in the last few games, um, you know, people pretty much wrote this team off. But give me your take on the direction of the National Football League. It's not about just the elite quarterbacks anymore. It's now more about maybe having better teams and just have a guy that can be serviceable and just be a game manager.
2: Well, I, I think you have to deal with what you have. There's a... I won't call it a crisis but there's a a difficulty in projecting these college quarterbacks into the NFL and while a guy like Deshaun Watson can come in and you know do seemingly well as a young guy he also won a couple of games where he had like less than 50 yards passing over 100 yards rushing because it's a tough transition so as front offices and head coaches begin to recognize that the chances of Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees walking through that door is almost slim to none and those teams who get those guys always hold on to them, I've got to find a way to build a team and not just build a team around my quarterback. Build an entire team, a defense that can shut people down, a running game that can take care of my quarterback because he's young when he, when he has off days, that can maintain the and dictate the tempo of the ball game. You need more of that. Now, of course, I think every coach, if you polled every coach, would love to have a franchise guy, but there's only a couple of those guys, so you've got to be creative now in today's NFL particularly with the very different style of college quarterback and trying to translate those guys into the NFL it's a very inexact science. You don't know what you're going to get. Therefore, you have to bolster up the rest of the roster to be able to deal with that uncertainty at that position. And I think these teams and what the job the head coaches have done, Zimmer and and Minnesota uh, and and Jacksonville and Philadelphia, they all did a great job of managing those quarterbacks and not putting them in positions to blow the game for them, just putting those guys in continued situations where they can be successful, run the ball well on first and second down, keep it easy and manageable on third down. When third down comes, don't ask them to go out there and read across the whole field, read one side of the field. They really make it easier for those quarterbacks to be successful.
1: Hanging across the league with Chad Brown, the former NFL linebacker. Chad, you played in Seattle. We've seen a lot of changes on the coaching staff. Do you think we've also seen a shift in the identity of this team for years? It was all about the defense, and now Russell Wilson is the focal point.
2: Well, I think just from a management perspective, from a front office perspective, when you had Russell Wilson and he was still under his rookie contract, you had all this money to spend. And you should go out and get guys and bolster your defense. You can get Cliff Averill from Detroit. You can bring in Michael Bennett from Tampa Bay. You can do those kinds of things. You can reward those homegrown guys, guys like Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas, with big money deals. But now that you've got a quarterback who's near the top in the leagues in salary, you've got to find a way to shift your roster and shift the way you build games. Since you're already invested in that quarterback, maybe it's finally time to improve that offensive line there in Seattle and focus a little bit more on that offense and try to win the game, not with shutout defense, but with good defense, but but an offense that can actually go out there and outscore people as opposed to just kind of outlast them as they've done over the last couple of years.
0: Alex Smith. I think the narrative has been he can't finish football games or he can't win you football games, but his numbers were arguably better than any other time he's played uh, this season. Give me your take on what do you think he ends up because Patrick Mahomes is the next man up.
2: You know, I think there's a lot to like about Alex Smith. Certainly, uh, as an older veteran quarterback, still, he may be the most mobile and the most athletic of all the veteran quarterbacks, he and Aaron Rodgers, they operate a little bit differently in the pocket, but guys who can buy time with their feet, guys who can pick up first downs with their feet, who as a defensive-minded guy like myself, you always have to worry about as a pass rusher, you know, don't get too far upfield, don't get too far out of my pass rush lane because this guy can hurt me with his feet. So that... Coupled with the veteran experience, coupled with this year where he finally starts to throw the ball down the field, uh, I think he can be an attractive place for uh, attractive quarterback for a, a number of different teams who are looking. But I don't think he would be willing to sign up for what he signed up for this year, with you know being the quarterback kind of holding the position until this young guy is ready to play. There's been talk here in Denver about maybe trying to bring Alex Smith in. I can't imagine the Chiefs would allow him to go to a division opponent, but the quarterback. The quarterback situation here in Denver is obviously in flux, and the thought is you bring in a draft pick with that fifth pick in the draft that they have, and it may be a guy like Alex Smith. Well, I, think, I don't think Alex Smith is going to be willing to sign up for that situation again. So it's going to be, have to be someplace most likely where he can be the man and not just kind of holding that spot until the draft pick is ready to play.
1: What else is we're talking about quarterbacks in Denver? Why don't you tell Chad how big of a Baker Mayfield fan you've become?
0: I'm huge. I love Baker Mayfield. I mean, I think he's one of the most accurate of the few quarterbacks that's coming out. That's Josh Allen. That's Josh Rosen, as well as Sam Darnold. Uh, My my thing was when you look at teams where you feel like you may need a quarterback for the future, and for example, Jacksonville. Some was basically saying run Jackson, run Blake Bortles out of there. I say why. You have one of the best defense in the National Football League. You have a phenomenal running game. You're not vested too much in that position. Why don't you, you know, exercise the option year and bring someone in? Of course, the other quarterbacks will probably already be gone in the first round. I might give Baker Mayfield an opportunity to go down to Jacksonville. He's sitting at six-one. You see the kid out in, in Case Keenum in Minnesota and how he's playing. Size truly doesn't matter. Drew Brees size doesn't tr- truly doesn't matter. You give an accurate player an opportunity. He has the footwork he has the arm, he has the swag, send him down there to Jacksonville, sit behind Blake Bortles and see what happens as opposed to bringing in a Alex Smith that's going to probably cost you guaranteed monies of anywhere from 30 to 50 million bucks. And you don't need to spend that much money on a quarterback, Chad.
2: You know I, there's a lot to like about Baker Mayfield. I had the opportunity to call uh Bedlam this year, so I saw Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph in person calling that game an amazing game sixty two to fifty two over thirteen hundred yards of offense and yeah, I love the confidence and swag of baker mayfield um there's There's a lot to be said for his skill set as a quarterback just the, as I just talked about earlier, that, that tricky trans, uh, translation from the air raid style that they played in the big 12, light them up, score, outscore people, get into a shootout versus what they're going to be asked to do as NFL quarterbacks. Uh, so that's the difficult part for me, you know, looking at Baker Mayfield and even the kids from Oklahoma state, uh, Mason Rudolph, they seem to have all the skill sets and, and everything else, but we don't really know because they haven't done it in a system that directly translates to the NFL. But to your point, uh, Uh, about Baker Mayfield as a a pro and bringing him in perhaps to Jacksonville, if he's available later in the draft, I I could see that possibly. If I'm Tom Coughlin, I have to give credit to Blake Bortles for what he's accomplished this season, but I can't help but look back over the length of his career and think, is this a one-year aberration, or is this guy finally going in the right direction? And if I could hedge my bets with a guy like Baker Mayfield that maybe if Blake Bortles becomes the man that we could you know, send off or trade off for some future draft picks while we develop him here for a couple of years, then that's a possibility for me because I can't go into next season just thinking that Blake Bortles can absolutely 100% repeat what he did this year. And even this year, there were a number of games where his arm was scattershot. The first half of the uh, wild card weekend, like, wow, this guy can't hit the broadside of a barn. He finally got things (laughs) together as the game went along. But if I'm Tom Coughlin, I'm carrying those worries with me into the draft and looking to pick up somebody else.
1: Chad, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Since you mentioned your TV work and you and I have both done some work for Pac-12 Networks, I just want you to know that Cordell's on the record on this show not connecting himself with our Conference of Champions. Cordell insists he's still a Big 8 guy, even though your former conference does not exist anymore.
2: Come on, case, okay, Stu. Get with 2018. Colorado's well, in the the Pac-12. It is what it is. It's a it's a great fit. It's a fantastic conference, particularly for quarterback play. You would think, as a former quarterback, you would dive
0: right in, man. Well, Chad, I would, but the the, the caveat is, and the sneaky thing behind the scenes is, he's a Stanford and a USC guy. He's he's feeling as if the Pac the Pac-12 is the the creme de la creme conference. And he didn't watch the national championship game this year. So I just basically try to tell him that my alliance is with the Big 8, even even though it doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> but I follow my football
1: team. Okay? That's what I said.
2: All right. Got it. Got it, big man.
1: Well, Chad, I couldn't watch an all-SEC <laughs> national championship game. Come on. I have taste. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hope to chat with you down the road again on the NFL on TuneIn. All
2: right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you for well, having me on.